one. There we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's a special, special episode today. We are here early on this, uh, what is it, Wednesday? Wednesday morning. Happy St. Patty's Day, everybody. Let's yes. Have a good How yeah. better to celebrate than watching your podcast? There you go. There you go. All right. Let's get started. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, here we go. Now, just before we started this show, uh, David and I were sitting here talking and you nobody heard it, but we were talking about energy and that song just... Gives me that energy. I so, was kind of rock it out. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, <laughs> right? It's great. Hey, stop moving. So uh, before we jump into the show, just three things to remind you about. Number one, head over to YouTube. Do that search for Practicing Polyamory podcast. Hit that subscribe button. I'm this close to getting my 100 subscribers so I can get uh, my... Uh, custom URL. And uh, while we're at it, don't forget to follow me on all social medias at Practicing Polyer. Uh, number two, next Friday, got that interview with Dr. Eli Chef, 11 a.m. Pacific. That's probably why I wrote 11 a.m. on your uh, mm -hmm. thing. Anyway, never mind. Um, go to The Bonding Project. Uh, check out The Bonding Project. It's bondingproject.com. Take that bonding pro uh, type test so that you know what we're talking about next Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And lastly, Whoever you are, wherever you are, I want you on this show. If you're listening, you're part of the community, you want to be part of the community, you're interested about the community, no matter how you identify, I want to know your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the better we can serve our community. All right, let me introduce our guest now. Today's guest is a licensed marriage and family therapist and sex therapist who's been, who has spent more than a decade working with people on the sexual frontier. As an active member of the non-monogamous and kink community, our guest understands that many in our communities feel alone, unsupported, and unsure of what relationships are supposed to look like. His strength is, is his empathy for the challenges that exist for those of us who don't conform to societal norms. Our guest has worked with non-monogamous folks of all types, including the polyamorous, the kinky, the sex workers, plus anyone who is interested uh, who is or who is interested in getting involved in non-monogamous relationships. I'm excited to learn from our guest today. Joining us from just a couple of hours north in L.A., welcome to the show, David Singer. I was hoping going to be that one because they're all dressed up in suits and i love that i was hoping <laughs> that was going to be the one so all day, i'm really happy i'm here james all right we got the right one we're getting started on the right track uh i'm wearing green on saint patty's day and i'm I matching uh my shirt right back here with, with my brother it's pretty cool funny anyway uh just my own little observation as i'm like looking at myself in the screen but Welcome, David. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, let's just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your practice and uh, your journey through polyamory and, and becoming a therapist. Uh, well, I mean, I've, yes, I've been a therapist for a while, uh, working with uh, uh, ethical non-monogamy and kink and stuff. I've been doing that consistently since the beginning, since my training, although it's become my real focus and, and the majority of my practice for the last few years. For a lot of years, I did uh, actually consulted with police departments and would go out to 
get paged out like at three and four in the morning out to mm -hmm. death scenes and work with survivors of, of you know, bad incidents. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. This is a lot more fun, uh, better hours, and a lot fewer bodies. <laughs> so uh, I'm enjoying all of that. That's so, a good, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of those are good. I, I, yeah. I really did love the work I did. But yeah, no, this is this is this is where I'm at now. And I really do Perfect. love it. I love the people that I've gotten to meet and hopefully help on their journey. And then I've been in the non-monogamy world for, I was thinking about that before we started James. I, I was in the swinger world back when you would get, <laughs> I'm old James. I'm gonna just I'm old. Um, back when you would get the magazine and you would reply to the little box numbers in the magazine and send a note. That's a couple of years ago. I'm like, I'm like send a note to who? No, no, yeah, not, so not like, to... like, a, like a, a couple or an individual, or whatever, would would advertise in a swinger magazine, oh, and then you would reply a, to them. There it was, was a, a long magazine. Yeah, yes, yes. What? Oh my I, gosh! Yeah, you so youngsters I, with your I, internet, <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> Back in my day, we had to walk right. uphill both ways That's to hook right. up with other and couples. And we carried the goddamn wood. But anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've been in that scene for a while. I've been in the kink scene for uh, quite a number of years, too. Awesome. Well, thanks uh, for the background. It, it, that is completely interesting to me. I didn't even realize that there was a magazine. Like, that's that's how it worked back then? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. That's a thing. Okay. That's a thing. So, one of the things that I really loved uh, when I started doing a little bit of research on you, uh, the title of our show is Don't Be Condemned by Your Kink. So obviously that's branded all over your website. That's uh, That seems to be a mantra of yours. Tell me a little bit about what you what you mean by that. Well, I do think that, and, and, and my apologies to other therapists, and I don't mean to ding on you except I kind of mean to ding on you that um, there's a lot of therapists that have such preconceptions about things like non-monogamy and have thing uh, and about things like kink, like mm -hmm. uh, even like great therapists, like the Gottmans, they're like the, the gold standard of couples relationship. They don't get ethical non-monogamy. They think that it really is kind of a, well, you know, not really being able to commit. Mm -hmm. And anyone that's mm -hmm. been in a non-monogamous relationship and trying to work out all the different hassles of that, there's a hell of a lot of <laughs> um, and and so and and there will be therapists that when you're having a relationship problem or something that's not at all related to non-monogamy, but you know you're having you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety because really seriously, how can anyone not be dealing with anxiety these days? Mm -hmm. um, the therapist will say like. Hmm, I wonder if your non-monogamous relationship has something to do with that. And they, they would never say, hmm, yeah. I wonder if your monogamous relationship has something to do with that. And then and exactly. I've heard horror stories about, there is supposedly, uh, there was a therapist, a, a client that had worked with in therapy for the longest time, was at their conclusion, was ending therapy in the last session. They were a kinkster. And in the last session, the therapist said, oh, and by the way, that kink stuff you do, that's just sick. What? 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 Oh, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> yes, oh. exactly. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, so I, it, it became really important to me for there to 
be kind of like these safe harbors for people to know that you're not going to be condemned for your kink. That's not going to be all I see. Mm-hmm. And I also understand those worlds. And I don't, you know, I don't assume that if you're in kink, well, I know then there was childhood trauma. Because therapists right. think that. There is zero evidence of that. But therapists stick to that. So That's it's good. a it's a bit of a, as you can tell, a bit of a hot button for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it should be because it's, it's, you know, it's exactly like, like what you're saying that it's, it's so easy. It's like this, this excuse almost for uh, someone who doesn't understand lifestyle, somebody who, who doesn't accept it as a reality, as a, as a way that people do relationships to just blame everything on that. And the other thing that you mentioned is that there is no correlation between childhood trauma and kink or non-monogamy or anything like that like that is something that i think is um a stereotype or or a story that is told that just is untrue yeah and i do think like i said even fine therapists that are probably really good in other areas they learn that they kind of learn that in um in grad school and it's just stayed with them um, I, I, I swear I stopped doing my, my soapboxes and stuff, but oh, no, I remember back in training, way back in training, which was a while ago as well. Um, I was in, the in, the, the master's or doctoral program at Pepperdine and, um, a colleague of mine, friend of mine, who's a very good therapist. She had, uh, in, 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 you know, we do, uh, internships and practicums. So mm-hmm. she had in, in her practicum, a client who is, um, gay male into kink, into, uh, he was a masochist and he would do these, and he told, told her about it. He would have these zippers done on him. Right. So for those of you that don't know, a zipper is like a, a series of clothespins that are attached to your skin, sometimes in rather sensitive parts of your body. And then they're yanked. Whoops. They are yanked off. And it's, um, it's a uh, it's an experience. Uh, I I am told. I I don't really personally need to find that out. But she was so horrified by this, and she absolutely used it as like a frame through which she saw all of the therapy. That there was obviously this, you know, need for self punishment. There was obviously this again trauma, and even in, you know, even in training, I remember thinking, no. <laughs> just no, no, that's not that. No, <laughs> it's a sensation. They, it's an extreme sensation mm-hmm. that they get off on. That's not, that's not the lens to see all of your clients. It's really not. Maybe explore it. I'm cool with that, but don't assume that that is the thing to focus on. So that's that's. So I guess that's been, I've been, you know, little Don Quixote tilting at the windmill for <laughs> decades um, about those issues. It, it, we, we, when you're talking about it, uh, I start to think of um, old movies like Hunchback in Notre Dame and uh, some other things where like people are like whipping themselves. Uh, what's the other one that I'm thinking of? Um, the one with Tom Hanks, uh, Da Vinci Code. Right where oh, where like yeah, people are, yeah. are are whipping themselves as punishment for their sins or whatever. So like 
when I think about that, like, and, and, and the things that we're talking about, this, this sensation and, and this, this therapist who is relating everything to, or, or reframing her entire viewpoint to that. I mean, is, is the correlation there? Does it come from like that kind of, of religious background? Does it have anything to do with that? Or is it just kind of like, like, is it something that's taught in therapy school? I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think it's taught in therapy school. And I think that it, 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 we, you know, so, Ethical dominogamy, polyamory, uh, uh, kink, sadism, masochism, dominance, submission. Okay, maybe there's stuff to explore there, but maybe there's not. And I, I firmly, I'm fine with kind of, you know, doing a little probe there and see. Well, is there, is there, is there 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 as the expression goes? But sometimes there's not, and you need to be able to not make that your framework. You need to be able to see, well, no matter what, you need to be able to see the whole person, like not just the kink, not just the non-monogamy, right. everything about the person. And mm -hmm. again, I don't mean to ding on therapists, except I mean to ding on therapists. There's a lot of people that don't get that, they, that they just don't get that. No, it's, it's absolutely true. It's, and it's so easy to just see one part of a person and and make that you know the entire framework i think you know i i think i do that really to myself even um and it's it's something that uh i'm, I'm probably not the only one you know i am a business owner also and so a lot of my day a lot of my time a lot of my energy a lot of my focus is through my entrepreneurial lens and uh -huh. you know it's it's easy sometimes to beat myself up over things that I'm not doing or things that I'm not doing right or things that I'm not doing well uh -huh. and forget about the fact that I am a whole entire human and I make mistakes, right? I I fuck up. I <laughs> I screw things up. I don't do uh, the right CJ's, things all I the didn't... time. Yeah, see, James, I didn't know you fuck up. I, I don't know if I can do this podcast anymore. I'm, 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 uh, I'm really terribly disappointed. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're going to cut it short. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I when I work with clients, I mean, because, yes, obviously, people see me for non-monogamy issues. People see me for kink. But honestly, a lot of people see me for stuff that has nothing to do with that. But they like knowing they don't have to hide themselves. But when it, you know, so they can be themselves. And when I work with clients, I do try to really remind them and work with them to remember the positive things. Because I do think we are hardwired and it makes sense from evolution. We will twist in our mind everything that we've done wrong or not as good as we think we should, right? We will absolutely not yes. at that bone. And the stuff we do right, we kind of go like, yeah, yeah, that was cool. And we move on. And again, evolutionarily, yep. Yep. that makes sense. You had to learn how not to get killed by the tiger. That was a kind of an important thing. But now it's we just slough off the positives. And so part of what I work with people is to really spend some time looking at what's working, not just what's not, what's working. Why is that working? Okay, how can we maybe generalize that out into other areas so that there can be more stuff that's working 
And I think that that is something that that gets lost in therapy a lot of times. We we become so problem focused, we forget to look at the non problems. Yeah, I mean, it's it's exactly like you're saying. It we're we're so hard on ourselves. I'm super hard on myself. You know, I I have built a you know company that employs some people and provides me a salary, and I'm constantly looking at all the mistakes and all the ways that it doesn't work. And, you know, it's, it's easy for me to drown myself in all of those things, like every mistake that I make and in relationships, you know, the same thing I can, I can get lost in that one mistake that I made in, in that, you know, one relationship that didn't work and all, you know, (laughs) or whatever. And, all of a sudden talking about reframing, it's like I'm looking at all of these future relationships through that lens, making sure that I don't do that again. Yeah. Right. I, um, I, uh, any of my, any of my clients that are listening are going to be like, Oh God, he's doing this metaphor again. And I apologize. <laughs> I, I, I tend to say this one a lot, but so, so there's a quote that's attributed to Thomas Edison he probably didn't say it, and I guess there's a lot of dispute whether he even actually invented the light bulb. But putting that aside, there's a quote attributed to Thomas Edison where he said he never failed when it came to building a light bulb. He never failed. He successfully discovered 1,000 ways you cannot build a light bulb. Yep, yep, heard that and before. I, <laughs> and especially with people as they're exploring non-monogamy, as they're exploring kink, as they're exploring polyamory, I really urge them, and I, I, I told you before we were going live, that one thing I really like about the intro to your podcast is you talk about imperfect people and making mistakes. And I, I, think, I, I think almost 100% of people as they first do their forays into non-monogamy, into polyamory, into kink, into honestly anything, but these are the things I guess we're focused on now, um, they fuck it up. I mean, they make a mistake and that's great. I mean, it's not necessarily, it doesn't feel great in the moment, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It doesn't mean it's not for you. It doesn't mean that this just doesn't work. It means, yay, you have discovered one of the thousand ways not to make a light bulb, and that's terrific. Yeah. Now let's try another way. Yep. Yep. It's adjust and what do they say? Uh, uh, adjust. I don't know. Whatever. I can't think of the the <laughs> phrase that, that I'm trying to say, but it's it's just adjust and and try again. Just mm-hmm. uh, reframe it, rework it, keep going. Uh, but what are some of those um, major common mistakes? I know for me. You know, my own background, when when we first opened up uh, our relationship, there was uh, a girl that I was into who was, you know, kind of close to the family. And so, like, it was a lot of awkwardness and trying to mm-hmm. navigate when, you know, both people are around. Uh, and then one of the other big mistakes that I made was doing the whole couple's privilege thing where, you know, I'm always protecting one relationship and kind of casting the other one aside. And I mean, there were multiple times that I literally was like, no, we're, we're breaking up because this, this relationship needs a little bit more work. So I think that those, uh, the couple's privilege is definitely a big problem that we see. Do you see that as like the most common thing or do you see other things as more common? Well, I have kind of a mixed feeling about couples privilege because I do think some relationships have like a primary 
a primary relationship and secondary relationships. And I don't think that that's wrong as long as it's communicated. I do mm -hmm. think what, what it sounds like you're talking about, it's like the idea of like veto or, or like, you know, this, this isn't, you know, my partner isn't happy with this. So I'm going to jettison this right. thing. Right. And that, yep. I do think that that happens a lot. And it's, I mean, it, it's not the best answer, obviously, because it honestly, in some ways, it denies the partner that's having the hard time, the opportunity, and it may not feel like an opportunity in the moment, but the opportunity to really do some work and to kind of work through uh, what's bothering them. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really like about when it went, when I first got into polyamory, I was like a third, and it was a person that had. A primary relationship and she had it, it, it was kind of a tier system and you can decide whether that's good or not but i was definitely kind of the third tier and that was really good didn't necessarily feel it in the moment but it was really good because it forced me to kind of really explore my feelings of inadequacy of of jealousy of envy and i think one of the i tell people that the, the the best thing about ethical non-monogamy and polyamory is it really gives you an opportunity to explore and work on your shit. Yeah. And the worst yes, thing about so ethical non-monogamy and polyamory is it really <laughs> makes you explore and work on your shit. And I really, it really is like that. Uh, so I think, yes, Nailed that's it. one. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, what's a double-edged sword, man. Yep. Um, I, I think a lot of times, um, and I'm going to generalize here. This happens, I think, more with men, and I don't mean to give up a, a pass. I think a lot of times in the beginning of non-monogamy, there's uh, screw-ups in disclosure and honesty and Ooh, okay. where something is held back. Mm -hmm. And um, as, as you know, that's very damaging. But I also think it's part, and again, I'm not giving a pass, mm -hmm. but I do think that, as opposed to, and that person's a bad person, they can't be trusted. I think it's unlearning so much of what we learned of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you, you, you can't tell your, you know, this, this secret life is secret. You can't tell someone. Right. And yep. um, so I think that mistake gets made a lot. I do think the um, rules, right? I think a lot of times couples, when they're first opening up, have this and it's, I guess it's not even a mistake. It's a, a phase. They have this tremendous amount of rules. Okay, well, no kissing. Okay, I can't have you stay overnight. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. just, you know, no texting, you know, between three and seven or whatever the hell. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. And that's, that's part of the process of letting go. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's helpful if you can get to a point where you can uh, take that trust fall and not feel yeah. you need that that rules to give you an illusion of control. And the fact is even in monogamous illusion. relationships, it is an illusion. It, it's like even in monogamous relationships and I'm not anti-monogamous, but a lot of people feel like that gives them a safety because this, there's this illusion of control. Well, mm -hmm. we're monogamous. My partner can't be with anyone else. Well, mm -hmm. you know, sorry, but let's look at these <laughs> statistics. That, that ain't true. Um, yep. Yep. So I, I think that all of those are mistakes or I think kind of learning processes and you kind of work through them 
to get to a better place. Yeah, I want to say uh, something I was listening to recently. It's like something somewhere between 30 and 40% of um, people in monogamous couples are cheating or, you know, something along those lines. Like it, it happens all the time. Um, and I mean, obviously, that's not acceptable in society either. But having openly non-monogamous relationships is really, really mind-blowing for people. Yeah. One of the things that you were that you were talking about, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, when people are lying uh, early on in, in these relationships, when they're opening up, uh, there to me seems to be like different levels of lying. Like there's an yeah. outright, you know, I went and hooked up with somebody and didn't tell my partner, right? Like that's huge. But then the other one that I think people tend to fall into more frequently is how how uh how much they're feeling for this new person i think that's the the trap that i actually fell into you know i started to i'm I'm a person that falls in love pretty easily right like it, it doesn't take a whole ton so uh you know when this new relationship started i started having you know pretty strong feelings and i kept telling you know my my partner at the time that the 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 existing one, you know, oh, and now she's just kind of whatever, like, it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. I love you, I care about you, it's, it's, you know, this is what's really important. But by the same time, you know, at the same, in that same moment, I'm like, no, I'm like, really starting to have feelings for this person. So, like, there's, there's different levels of yeah. lying, right? How, how, how do we come to a place where we can be as honest about all of these different things, what are some of the things that we need to be more honest about? Well, everything. Everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but I mean, easy answer. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, but I think a thing to do is kind of explore the reasons why the lie, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, what you're talking about, I think, is this concept that we all grew up with that that love is this kind of this zero sum formula. And if I love you more, that means I have to love you less because I have I have four, you know, four beads of love. If that I'm giving totally, her three. Yeah. yeah. And and so, yes, it's a lie. And yes, lies are damaging, but explore the why of the lie. Right. So mm -hmm. and that helps, you know, if you can really spend some time exploring that, that can help really come to that realization of, hey, I actually have as many of these little beads of love as I want. And actually, if I give more of the beads over here, I feel I have more beads to give over here mm -hmm. because that actually I think that is how love actually works. Um, the same thing with you know, the worst lies, which are the idea of I, I hooked up with this person and I didn't tell you. That one causes a lot of damage, right? Obviously, that For one sure. causes a breakdown in trust. That's a hard mm -hmm. thing. Any kind fit. of relationship, monogamous or, right. or non. Right. But I also think it's important to look at the why the lie. And so as opposed to just condemning it, as opposed to just saying, oh, that's that. Nope. Um, I'm not saying condone it, but I am saying understand it and spend some time understanding it and if, you know, how that can go better next time. Now, some people are going to just keep doing that. And that's, that is a sign that 
they're a toxic person, in my opinion. I'm not saying I'm not saying giving everyone a path. Yeah. But I think a lot of times that lie is out of the I you know, I can't believe that if I told you that I had sex with him or her, that you're not going to leave me. I can't believe that. And if you can work through, again, the why of the lie and realize that you can tell your partner, your partner won't leave, you can work through those different feelings, that actually makes the relationship so much stronger. I love that. I absolutely <laughs> love that because it's it's true. It's it's like developing trust in your partner that they're not going to leave. It's 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 a, a new level even of commitment to one another to saying, "Hey, look, we're going to explore this thing and we're going to do this together and, you know, like our commitment to is to each other to continue to find ways to make this work and having that openness and having that honesty and being able to tell you anything about how I'm feeling like yeah it, it, it and and also digging to the root of of that fear uh it's the same thing with jealousy we talk about jealousy and and jealousy is just the symptom but there's like a deeper root like there's another reason for it and uh you know just just getting down into that uh do you have any any tips or any uh strategies that that people can uh use to kind of dig down deep and get into those those root feelings well <coughs> excuse me i i mean i agree with you that jealousy is the symptom so i do really like to work with people and exploring and exactly like what you said digging down deep okay so you feel jealous so let's break down what does that mean because Jealous is kind of a term we use and we don't necessarily really understand what the emotion is. So let's explore that. And a lot of times you're going to find that it's fear, it's uh, inadequacy, it's uh, uh, sometimes to the point of self-loathing or at least self-questioning. Mm -hmm. And just spend some time looking at the different components that make up this thing we call jealousy. And to really know that it doesn't mean, again, I, I kind of come back to the same places. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It means let's explore what this is. And so that's what I do. I try to do some exploring. There's actually a, a book called uh, the, the Jealousy Workbook, oh, yeah. uh, which is uh, specifically for folks in polyam or non-monogamous mm -hmm. relationships. Um, the kind of and it is like some structured exercises to to do that digging to tease out what those feelings are. Because and can we do that? Fun, can can we do yes. that for for like any emotion that we're feeling, any fear, any you know? Is it kind of like a universal strategy? I think so. I mean, I you know, I get I'm a shrink. You know, you know, they say if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. But I, I get, I do think that. I do think that all of these unconscious fears and desires and hopes and dreams, they're they're messages. They they have they have messages in them that we can understand. 
So I try really hard, well, with myself and certainly with clients to to really listen to whatever these feelings are. You know, I, you know, so I, you know, I, I think I told you, I literally didn't know we were going to be live until yesterday. So I had Oops. a couple of moments <laughs> of, I don't want to say panic, but I think panic's the actual, actual word. Um, and so I did that. I was like, okay, you're, you're a little twisted about this, David. Let's explore. And it was that whole thing of, you know, people are going to, whatever the stuff was. Mm-hmm. And it was actually helpful to work through it and to break it down and to tease it out. And I, I, I all of those things help us learn. I, I, I'm going to be a quick, uh, trans, uh, taking off to a side here for a moment. But um, one of the things that got me in the therapy a bazillion years ago was I went into a uh, major depressive disorder. And I, like, major, single episode, I'm happy to say, but it's like to the point of having sheriff's deputies at my house and stuff. Um, and it was terrible. <laughs> and it was hard on, I mean, I was a little crazy at the time, so it was probably less hard on me than, like, on my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I firmly believe that that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it made me do that. It made me explore what those feelings are. What, why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. What's that about? Where could it have come from? Mm -hmm. And so I guess my point about that is just that all of these emotions, even if they seem horrible in the moment, there's such a message in them. And if you can not run away from them, if you cannot, you know, talk to the hand to them, but listen, there's so much to be learned. I I cannot agree with you more. I, I remember, you know, personal story here. Uh, uh, at, at one point, my, uh, my wife and I, we separated for the first time and it was, you know, just a devastating for me. And I remember, you know, drinking, you know, bottles of wine, you know, every night and smoking weed every night to just numb the pain. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I've numbed it enough. Like I just need to feel this and, you know, go through and do that work of actually processing these emotions so that I can figure out what the next thing is that I need to do. Yeah. So and I think that when you're able to do that, it it it's such a I, 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 I worry I just sound like you know little Mary Sunshine here, like, oh yeah, let's go out and get depressed. But <laughs> when you're in <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how I do that. That sounds party. like fun. <laughs> Depression party. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Depression party. <laughs> yeah, right. except we'd all be kind of standing there while the music plays. But yeah, um, right. <laughs> I, I do think that that when you can do that journey, when you can do what you did, it's like okay, you know what? I've been numbing this. I I need to not numb it. I need to I need to feel it. I need to understand it. I need to make meaning out of mm-hmm. it. Yep, that is such a huge deal. And um, for me, that redefined me. Um, and I know that I went off on a tangent from the idea of working through jealousy. Um, but I do think these feelings, even when they're really difficult in the moment, 
is such a chance to really dig in deeper and and grow individually, let alone grow within your relationships. 100%, 100%. David, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending some time with me uh, here today uh, for talking to the community. Uh, and speaking hi, community. of which, hi, community. <laughs> uh, speaking <laughs> of which, if uh, anybody wants to work with you, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, especially for our listening audience, in case anybody's not watching, they're actually listening, make sure that they can uh, spell it out for them. How yep. can people get in touch with you? Okay. And I see clients all across California uh, through telehealth. Uh, my website is lakinkshrink.com. So L-A-K-I-N-K-S-H-R-I-N-K.com. <laughs> and I'm on Facebook as you guessed it, L.A. King Shrink. There it is. L.A. King Shrink, everybody. Thank you again, David, so much for uh, spending time with me today. And thank you, as always, for our listening audience. Uh, remember, as uh, <laughs> when we're live, you don't get any commercial interruptions. But on the podcast downloads, I do got to throw a commercial in there. So if you want to continue to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday at 2.30 or special occasions like this today here at 10. Uh, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to the commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Uh, don't forget to head over to the bonding project. Uh, I'm sorry, just bondingproject.com. I don't know. I don't think it'll work if you go to the bondingproject.com. So <laughs> bondingproject.com between now and next Friday, March 26th, so you'll know what Dr. Eli Chef and I are talking about. Uh, and please, again, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, this close, I'm this close, everybody. 100 subscribers, and I get my custom URL. I thank you. There you I go. I hit it. Follow my example, you rock. <laughs> for hanging out and uh spending thank you all as always for tuning in and since it is luck of the irish day just go out there and have a nice day <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the practicing polyamory podcast would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation please support us by subscribing liking and following us on social media at practicing polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash